be seated, please. As a kid, I was always intrigued by, you know, images of ninjas and samurai swords and things like that. In fact, I think for, for lots of Halloweens as a kid, I went as a ninja. And that could have been anything from just wrapping a black scarf around my face, but I got to carry a plastic sword, which totally made the costume worth it. But, you know, and also being interested in, in, in ninjas, I also kind of uh, found interest in, in learning a little bit about the Japanese samurai, and I always thought that was kind of cool, these these warriors and, and the armor that they would wear and the weaponry that they had and, and how they were supposed to be really fierce and undefeatable and all these kind of legends, you know, that surrounded the samurai. But one of the, the things that is quite well documented when it comes to the ancient, you know, Japanese samurai is the Bushido or the warrior's code that they were supposed to adhere to. There was kind of a code of conduct that they wanted to follow in order to be considered, uh, considered you know, an honorable samurai. And that code uh, contained things like being a person of justice and fairness, being a man uh, uh, who had courage, but who also showed mercy, especially to the weak, a person who was polite. That was part of the samurai code, as was honesty, honor, loyalty, and self-control. Because as a samurai, everything you wanted to do, you wanted to carry yourself in accordance with that warrior's code. But the problem was, is if you ever violated that code, or maybe performed in battle in a way that was seen less than worthy, instead of being considered an honorable person, you would have dishonor. And in fact, the fear of dishonor to, to the ancient samurai, well, we'll talk about this in a second, but to, to them, you wanted to live with honor and not shame. In fact, it has been said that the samurai would view the situation as it was more favorable to die with honor than to live with shame. So if they violated that, that warrior's code, because of the shame that they were you know, forced to live with, they would actually do something where they would even take their own life. They would pull out their own sword and, and they would slice their own torso because they wanted to die honorably than to bring shame to the, the life of a samurai or to the samurai code and to what they represented. I don't think we have that so much really in our society today. That idea of honor and shame is not something that we really think about. It's not something that, that really permeates a Western culture. Now, in the Eastern mindset, and even the Middle East, and even into the area of Palestine, you know, in the biblical text, you find a lot of this way of thinking. This way of thinking of, I want to bring honor and not shame to myself. In America, we kind of view it the opposite. We say, well, I don't care what people think, right? It's none of your business. Coco Chanel once said this, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care about you at all. So they don't care about dishonor. They don't care about doing things that are shameful. It's, I'm going to do whatever I want. You can mind your own business. Now, I know to an extent we shouldn't be overly concerned with other, what other people think, but in many cultures of the world, it's all about not your image necessarily where it's vain, but it's about honor. It's about pride and loyalty and dignity, and to go against that would be shameful. The only thing close to it I can think about in our culture today is maybe might tell my kids, look, don't make me look bad when we're going to go into this restaurant or something, right? Kind of that idea. But even then, 
that's not the idea of an honor and shame culture. Because in an honor and shame culture, the whole idea is that which is good brings honor, but that which is bad brings shame. We don't want shame. We want to find honor. This is the culture especially of the Old Testament. It's not exactly like ours. We can't always look at the Old Testament through our, you know, United States of America year 2019 framework. We view things a little bit differently. Our culture views things. Our dynamics are different, especially when it comes to this idea of honor. That's why I bring up, you know, the ancient Japanese samurai. We can understand, well, honor and shame, we understand that imagery there. That was more akin to the biblical culture than really the way we view our actions now, we want to have bring, they wanted to bring honor and not find shame. Let me prove it to you. First book of the Bible, Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, after God created man, it talks about that Adam and his wife Eve were both naked, and the text mentions they felt no shame. And we kind of like, well, they're just like little children running around naked. No, it's, it's, it's bigger than that. It's that everything about their lifestyle at that time was pure, it was good, it was just, it was righteous, and they had no shame. When they disobeyed God, they brought dishonor amongst themselves. They found themselves ashamed. In fact, they were so ashamed that when God's in the garden, they go and hide because of their shame. They were afraid because I was naked, now they're ashamed about who they are and what they've done. They found dishonor they when they were living righteously they were honorable when they were not they hid they wanted to avoid what the shame god this crowning element of creation and they just dishonored him they were ashamed of that and you go on through the old testament you see this again abraham that great father of the israelites was was promised honor Notice what the text says in Genesis chapter 12, this idea that I'm going to bless you, I will make your name great. He says you will be a blessing. The idea of your name being great, that's the idea of, of honor towards you. Have you ever had someone say, uh, you know, bring honor to your family name? That's this right here. God told Abraham that your name is going to be an honorable name. It's going to be a name that people will wear with with pride, not arrogance, but they'll find honor in that, and they don't want to shame that. You go on throughout the whole Bible, you find the Jews going back to that name. They didn't want to bring shame upon that name. Now, sometimes they took it too far. You know, in Matthew chapter 3, they're condemned for only just saying, well, we have honor because Abraham's our father by default, therefore we're honorable people. And the whole point is, no, you're not. You're living shamefully to that promise. But the idea of being related to Abraham meant you were God's people. You have an honorable name and bring that name honor and don't bring it shame. Paul would later talk about that we're honored in that same way by being children of We have an honorable name that we possess then. And it is our task then to not bring shame and dishonor to that precious name. In fact, when we sin, we dishonor our spiritual family. The Bible's culture is a culture of honor versus shame. 
dishonor would equal something that was just devastating. It's not just, oh, yeah, I made my parents look bad. No, so much more than that. Well, yeah, I kind of embarrassed myself a little bit. No, so much bigger than that. To them, they would never dishonor their family or at least want to. They would never want to dishonor their nation. They would never want to dishonor themselves or God. To do that would be to commit almost the most grievous sin you can think of. You brought honor or dishonor and shame upon yourself. Not just guilt and embarrassment, but something even bigger. With that backdrop in mind, let's continue our study of the Ten Commandments. We're looking this morning at a series of lessons. We're breaking down each one of these Ten Commandments. We're calling the series Written in Stone. And each one of these commands that we look at falls into two categories, either loving God or loving others. We, we've talked about you know, commands like, you know, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or a graven image and keep it holy. We've talked about not taking the Lord's name in vain. But now we come to that next command in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12 where he uses that word we've already introduced, the word honor. He says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. He tells the people that are written in stone, given by the mighty hand of God upon Mount Sinai, okay? And this is really the first command that takes it from how you honor God to how you honor even people and treat people right. The first commands were about loving God. Now we're talking about even showing love toward others. He mentions honor. Honor your father and mother. And when we look at this passage, at least as me as a kid, I kind of just, it was always one of those ones you kind of breeze over. Not because I didn't want to you know, love my parents, but that, that phrase didn't really resonate with me. And I think it doesn't really resonate with us a lot in our Western mindset. The idea of honor, okay, yeah, that means be nice to them. It's so much bigger than that. Just like a samurai wouldn't want to bring dishonor to the name samurai there, we would never want to dishonor our family, specifically here in context. He talks about we would never want to dishonor our father and our mother. Because according to this passage, if you show honor toward them, it results in blessings. In fact, he says, honor your father and mother, and it will be better for you then in the land that I'm going to give you. How? Well, how do we do that? How do, what does that look like? In a culture that doesn't necessarily understand honor, how do we explain it? I want to look at two points this morning. We're going to look at and this, this idea of honoring father and mother in two different ways. Number one, we're going to talk about that we should honor our parents and kind of how we do that. But then we're going to take it another way too. I want us to look at the idea of that we should bring honor to our parents and not shame. And I think that's different. There's, there's two different things. Honoring your parents and bringing them honor. Yeah, they might overlap, but they also, I think, we need to articulate them that way so we can better understand it, especially in the way that we think in our world today. So let's talk about this first one. How do we, as Christians, honor our parents? I'm going to give you three simple ways, but now carrying them out might be a little bit more difficult. Number one, listen to them. And we always say, well, that means for little kids, they listen to their parents. No, we need to listen to smart people. We need to listen to people who've been there. We need to listen to people who have wisdom, right? 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. The, past, the first verse my mom ever made me memorize, right? It was this one. And, and I remember I wanted to be a good Bible student too, so I underlined it in my Bible, but I don't have good handwriting. It was really squiggly. So then I tried to erase that line, and I ended up erasing the verse out of my Bible, so then I, you know, I've had an excuse. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents, right? In the Lord, for this is right. We know the passage, we quote the passage, but why would we do that? Well, the parents, they don't know what they're talking about. Do you honor them? Do you listen to what they have to say? Look over at another way this is articulated in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, and the whole book of Proverbs is instruction of a father to a son. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. It says, hear my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. He's saying, keep them close and listen to what your parents have to say. Now, I know, obviously, if your parents are leading you astray, don't listen to that. But that's not the idea here. The idea is listen to them. What they're giving you could be good guidance, right? And so many times as we get older, we realize how often our parents were right. And we should have listened to them. We honor our parents by listening to them. And coupled with that, number two, we honor our parents by respecting them. I discovered a really cool verse in preparation for this lesson. I don't know why I haven't discovered it before. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. Kids, you're going to have to memorize that one, right? But here, he says, honor your parents, listen to them, and respect them. If you want to honor your parents, biblically speaking, don't mock them. Don't make fun of them. As you get older and you think you got it all figured out, don't ridicule them. They'll say, ah, oh, my parents don't know what's going on. They don't know anything. They haven't been there. They don't understand. <laughs> the proverb writer says you should get your eye eaten by birds, which we got two crows that are, you know, attacking the church building lately at the windows. Maybe watch out, right? But the idea is respect them. Honor your parents by listening, by respecting. By number three, another way we honor our parents, biblically speaking too, is caring for them. And this is one that, does rub me the wrong way when I see it not being fulfilled. I think, especially maybe in our American culture, we are so far removed from what God had in mind when it comes to caring for family and loved ones that this just seems outlandish to us. I mean, family members get old. Parents get old. We, well, we find a home, then we visit them once a month and send them a card on their birthday. We say, well, hey, I'm taking care of them. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, a passage that is normally quoted to tell a man to get a job and that kind of thing isn't really talking about that. 1 Timothy chapter 4 is talking about caring for a widowed mother. Okay? And in that passage, he says if a man does not take care of his own, talking about his own widow, widowed mother, he says he's worse than an unbeliever, uh, unbeliever and has denied the faith. That's how bad it is if you don't care for your parents. You want to show your parents honor? Care for them. Well, it's, it's an inconvenience to me. How dare you bring shame upon your family? Right? That's the idea of honoring your parents. So number one, we should honor our parents. We do that by listening to them, by respecting them, by caring them. Number two, we should also then bring honor to our parents. Not just honoring them, but also bring them honor. How do we do that? Biblically speaking, number one, by living godly. Our lifestyle should bring our parents honor. 
When they look at us and how we live and what we're doing, they should go, I'm proud to be their parents. I'm proud to be that person's mother. I'm proud to be that person's dad. That's the attitude they should be able to have because of the honor we're bringing them. Proverbs 23, and in verse 22, the text reads, Listen to your father who begot you, and do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. Get it? If, if you live righteously and your father looks at that, he's going to be excited. He's going to be all right. My, my son, my daughter is living faithfully. Doesn't give an age marker here either, right? I mean, I'm sure we have uh, people here that are pretty far advanced in age, and they look at children that are even far advanced in age, and they're proud of them because they're living righteously. It says the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her rejoice in who gave birth to you. You know what we like to do is stress out our parents. You know what we like to do is upset our parents, worry our parents, make us make them think, you know, I don't know if they're going to make it to heaven, that kind of thing. That's how we like to live. And according to the text here, we should live our lives in a godly way so that it brings our parents honor. We don't normally think of that, though. We go, what's my own life? I don't care what they think. It doesn't matter what my parents think of me. I, I, I do my own thing now. In the Bible world, it matters, and it should matter to us. The idea of bringing shame upon your family, I mean, samurais would kill themselves over doing that. Here he says, honor your father and your mother. We normally don't think about our parents' wishes and their desires for us. We live in a culture that says, who cares? But that's not the Bible culture, and that's not what's being talked about here. I was reading a book a while back, and it was a book about kind of reimagining uh, a little bit, trying to view the Bible more in the cultural context in which it was, and kind of removing our Western mindset from it. And, and the author was talking about how they were a missionary in, in, in a country, I don't remember where the country was, but it was a country that really valued, you know, honor versus shame, and so on. And, and this missionary was, was in passing in a Bible study, mentioned how, yeah, my parents weren't too happy when, I, when me and my wife-to-be eloped to Las Vegas and got married. And he just kind of mentioned that in passing. And then he went on his lesson, whatever it was about. And at the end of the lesson, he said that half of the villagers here were like coming up to him and asking him, well, did you repent? And he's like, what are you talking about? Did you repent of that sin? You dishonored your parents. You went against their wishes. You know, us were like, ah, yeah, my parents didn't like it, but it all worked out in the end. To them in that culture... To go against the family brought dishonor on you and shame. That would be something to repent about. We don't normally think that way. We need to live in a way that brings honor to our parents. We need to live in a way that makes them proud. And not even parents, even generations before that, let's bring them honor. Proverbs 17, 6 says, Grandchildren are the crown of the aged and the glory of children is their fathers. The idea here is, you know, when gr grandparents can look at grandchildren, even then they can find, you know, pride in that and honor in that. We already talked about the other command there of not making a graven image in that idea and how that needs to be carried out for generations. You can enact generational change. I look forward to hopefully one day, you know, being able to look at the Cliff Sabro family line 
and say, wow, look at all these faithful people and faithful grandchildren and maybe great-grandchildren and, and the change that's enacted in the world. That would bring me honor. That's the idea here. We should bring honor to our parents. Why? Because honor toward parents, according to this passage, also equals blessings from God. Notice the second part of this. Honor your father and mother, that the, your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now let's put this in some speech that maybe we can understand. Do you want to live a good life? Honor your parents. Listen to them. Bring them honor. That's the idea here. Just like in the Eastern culture, you know, with the Samurais, it was more favorable to die with honor than to live with shame. Even us, we should want to live an honorable life because to say, I live a life of shame, that's shaming our family, that's shaming our Lord, that's shaming our parents, that goes against the Lord's will. So let's ask the question. Let's be real pointed this morning. Are we, myself included, bringing shame or honor to our parents? Is that, what are we doing? When they look at us, are they kind of ashamed of our life? When they look at our actions, are they embarrassed to talk about you because of how you're living? Or are you bringing them honor? What about even outside of the parents? What about the idea of bringing honor just to your name? When people hear your name, what do they think? See, uh, my name's Sabro. There's a lot of different paths that we could take with that. When they hear your name, what do people hear? Do they hear abuse? Do they hear addiction? Do they hear violence? Do they hear hypocrisy? Or do they hear faithfulness, righteousness, gentleness, mercy, kindness, love? Are we bringing honor or shame to our name? Maybe people in your past were honorable, but you're not so much. I'm not so much. Are we bringing honor to the name that we wear? What about to the name of our own spiritual family? We're part of the church of our Lord, right? I mean, we're built on the foundation of the apostles. The apostle Paul wrote letters that we study even today. Are we bringing honor to that? I mean, and the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 12 says, so because we have so great a cloud of witnesses, right? We have so many people. We stand on the shoulders of giants, right? Of these people. Are we bringing them honor by our life? What about to the, even the own congregation that we're a part of? Are we bringing honor to the church or are we bringing reproach upon it by how we're living, by how we represent Christ's name in this community? When people hear about us or they see us or they say, wow, they're sure making the, the church look good because of how kind they are, how loving they are, or are we making the church look bad? Are we bringing it honor or shame? Are we bringing shame or honor to our God? Are we bringing shame or honor even to ourselves? When Adam and Eve hid from God, they did it because they were ashamed. If God, which he is everywhere at all times, but if we were standing directly in the presence of God, would we hide because we're ashamed? Or would we be able to stand up and be in his presence because we know that we honor him and that we bring him honor? God told Moses to, you know, the teach to the Israelites, and God had it pinned on tablets of stone. Honor your father and your mother. It's biblical even to this day. It's applicable even today. We need to be a people who bring honor to those that have gone on before us.
But if you're here this morning too and you don't feel like you've been living that way, I want to also give you some hope because I know that lesson's kind of a, okay, I feel really bad now, preacher. I've been kind of dishonorable. I know I've my parents sometimes are ashamed of me and, I mean, all that kind of stuff. What's wonderful is that God is a loving father. He's a forgiving father. And he can take the shame away from our lives and can give us a position of honor if we come and follow him. So although this lesson was designed to make us a little uncomfortable, myself included, even though we might have not always given God the honor and those around us the honor that they deserve, and if we haven't been living our lives in an honorable way, we don't have to take our own life like the samurai. We can come to God, he will forgive us, he takes away the guilt, he takes away the shame, and you can have an honorable relationship with him where you can just live righteously and make God proud. And you know what? I don't know all of your parents, but I'm sure for the most part, if you do that, you'll bring them honor. I know that absolutely. So this morning we're going to sing an invitation song. If you don't feel you have that relationship with God that you need to have, if you don't feel like you're bringing him honor right now, let us help you. We can pray with you so that you can be restored. We can study with you more. We can baptize you into Jesus Christ, and shame and guilt and sin will be washed away. And you can be serving your God honorably for the rest of your life. Why don't you come as together we stand and as we sing.